Welcome in. It's another edition, a Thanksgiving edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here at IndyStar.com. I'm your host, Derek Schultz, Fox Sports 1260 Afternoons, Query and Schultz. And our good buddy here in the star of the show is the Greg Doyle, who looks very Thanksgiving EE with his fall colors today in the sweater. Our good, good buddy. Normally it's, but the real star of the show, normally that's what you say. This time it's, and our good buddy. Good buddy and real star. And the star. I both of those things. I mean, it was enough. I mean, it was enough. It's a star I'm, in your Twitter handle, for God's sake. I've never loved the fact that you call me the star of the show. <laughs> but the, but once you kind of demote me at, at that point, like, my eyes are open. Like, wait a minute, did I just get Trent Richardson here? Yeah, right. <laughs> we got a lot to get into today. And, uh... Don't get me wrong, Greg. I always look forward to coming in here. I, I think I, I hope you guys have as much fun listening to this as we do doing it. And I think I speak for Greg when I say that he has fun too. Yes. Problem is, is that um, with the stretch that the Colts have just had, it's been a lot more fun earlier in the season to talk about these thrilling close wins than it is to talk about these close losses where you have a million chances to, for them to win the game and, and they still kind of fumble it away. But again, Greg, I mean, I, I was just left thinking on Thursday night, man, that was just another opportunity. Uh, the latest in a string of losses that you felt like a player two here or there, the Colts had it right there. And, and even with as poorly as they played at times, I, I thought they, you know, you have the ball down three drive down the field a chance to win the game and they fumble it away yeah on the one hand they were good enough to play a bad game on the road against the best team in the division and almost win and and and, and bless his heart but if not for ty hilton two drops maybe what they score on one of those drives mm-hmm. and they do win so on the one hand wow they're pretty close on the other hand houston stinks too you know the this league is so bad it's not even parody because parody kind of like they're all kind of average they're all bad. There's like four or five really good teams, and everybody else is bad. And some bad team is going to go to the playoffs, and probably four or five bad teams are going to be in the playoffs. And the question is, which bad team is going to win the AFC South? And the Colts are just good enough to be in the bad bad conversation with Houston. They're not so terrible. They're Jacksonville. I'm not going to say bad as much as I'm just going to say there are a lot of teams who just, I don't know, aren't any good. Okay, I'll go there. <laughs> is that a proper way to put it? Well, you know, that's the, fair. The Colts are fine. They're not a bad team. Fine, I, I that's fair. I think the fair. Texans are fine. Um, I think that they're high-end players. I mean, and you saw it on Thursday night. Hopkins, Will, I've been singing the praises of Will Fuller since he was at Notre Dame. I mean, Love that, him. that guy's a home run hitter. Yes. And then, uh, you know, of course, you've got Deshaun Watson as well. And, you know, defensively, they've taken a little bit of a step back. But it's, it's weird. It's weird how much that if you even want to call it a rivalry, has switched in that for so many years it was the Colts' offense against the Texans' defense, and now it's the Colts' defense against the Texans' offense. But then again, I kind of my takeaway from Thursday night, Greg, was I thought the defense, even with the breakdowns, you hold Houston to 20 points in their place, they're setting the table for the offense. The offense has got to sit down and eat. I thought it was on the O. Oh, completely on the O. But my goodness, look, look who Jacoby's throwing it to. He's throwing it to one one really NFL athlete. I mean, he's got a bunch of guys that can play in the NFL. Marcus Johnson, Chester Rogers, but they're not NFL. I mean, they're 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 not even average athletes. I don't think they're probably a little bit below for their position. They're below. You got Ty, and he was dropping the ball. He was hurt. You know, Ty was hurt. Mm-hmm. And then they got one athlete at tight end. Athlete. And okay, Mo Alcox is an athlete, obviously, but he's not explosive. If he is, why aren't they throwing the ball? I yeah, he's, he's your third guy. Right. He's your blocker. Yeah. And that athlete, Eric Ebron, has been playing on two ankles that are so sore, he's now done for the year. So uh, people that are, want to talk about Jacoby, or even you know, you say it's on the offense, well, it is on the offense, but Marlon Mack didn't play. I mean, who, who's supposed to get the ball from here to there? Like point A to point B, on paper, you go from here to there, but in real life, 
who's got the ball in his hands from here to there because they're all hurt. He doesn't have weapons. Um, I'll, I'll agree with that. T.Y. Hilton at a diminished capacity is not the T.Y. Hilton that we're used to. Couldn't get open. Never mind the drops. Couldn't get open. Yep. Jonathan Williams is a nice story, but Jonathan Williams, there's a reason why he was the fourth running back on this team when everybody was fully healthy. That said, Greg, you can't play scared. And I thought I thought Jacoby Brissett looked scared. I thought Frank Reich was scared. And I, I don't think I've ever said that in his coaching career. I, I just don't think that they were aggressive enough. I, th- I thought that they thought that they were just going to get by ground and pound uh, clock control. And sometimes that works. I mean, it worked for them at Arrowhead. But then again, they didn't have the defensive breakdowns at Arrowhead that they had against Houston. And to me, 17 points is just not going to get it done on the road against a team like that. It's no, just not going to do it. No, it's not. But you say Rock was playing scared. I would – and Jacoby too. I – I, I, that one, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't. He's afraid to make a mistake. I think, Greg. I, I, I just don't think. I'll give you that. You, you can't wait for Marcus Johnson or Zach Pascal or whoever it is. And look, I mean, look at the names that we're talking about. No offense to Marcus Johnson, and Zach Pascal, but come on, that's who Brissett has to work with. I'll give him a break on that. But you can't wait for guys to be standing wide open. You got to sometimes take shots. And and we sing the praises of Brissett for not throwing interceptions. Oh well, Andrew Luck threw interceptions. Yeah, Andrew Luck also had highlight reel sixty yard touchdown passes when he was aggressive and took risks. Risks sometimes work. Home run hitters strike out sometimes, but sometimes you've got to swing for the fences. And I just don't feel like Brissett does that enough. And I thought uh, Thursday night was that opportunity for him to. I just thought he looked timid back there with some of the throws that he didn't pull the trigger on. But it's hard to be a home run hitter when your bat isn't made of ash, but your bat is made of a wet noodle. I mean, he's got. That's true. What, what? How? You're gonna hit the ball 400 feet with what? With I mean, he's holding a wiffle ball bat. You know, with what? And then you talk about Reich being cautious or scared. The thing I've decided about Reich, until proven otherwise, and, and, and one game doesn't do it for me, is that that guy is, I mean, he's real good, and he's real smart, mm-hmm. and he knows exactly how far he can push whatever envelope he's got in his hands, and he coached that game, and I wrote this the next day, so I, I believe this, that, that he has decided my five best players, the five best players I got are Costanzo, Quentin Nelson, Kelly, Glowinski, and Braden Smith. Those are my five best players, and I'm going to put the game on those guys and bore you to death. We're going to ground and pound and bore you to death, and we're going to try and win the game 13 to 10 because we can't score more than 13. Not with not with the current injuries and whatnot. I think. So you say scared, I say realistic because I say if, I, I, my thought is, and we'll never know. But if Jacoby takes chances, if, if Frank Reich takes chances, maybe they win, or I think more likely they lose 35 to 17. And I think that that's fine to want to be a run oriented team. I think they were a run oriented team even when they were really clicking this season. But you can't not have the pass offense be a threat at all. You right. can't you can't not complete a pass over 10 yards then, the entire night. Then go sign Antonio Brown like, because they got happen. they got nobody else. That's the thing is I mean I hear what you're saying, but how do you get from point A to point, point A is they can't be this bad on passing. Well, point B is okay, then who do they throw it to? You know, he dunked all over the tight and I get that you know, Hilton I think was if I remember right Hilton was healthy for a half in that game. Brissett dunked all over the the Texans in that first meeting. He threw for, what, 320-something yards, largely with the same cast of characters outside of having a healthy Mac, I guess, in the backfield. 
And I know that they switched some stuff up, and, and he said that he was confused, or he didn't really elaborate on the fact that he was confused of them going some more zone. But, Greg, that pass defense stinks, and it was banged up. They were down their three safeties. They were yes. down two of their top four corners. Right. I, I, I'm with you that the offensive line is the straw that stirs the drink. The run game, the same thing. I'm not disputing any of that. I just think you've you've got to do more, and Reich has to know. Reich's a smart guy, and I think he's a great coach too, like you. Reich has to know that 17 points, there is no universe where 17 points was going to win that game in Houston. None. There's no reality where that would have happened. Not against Watson and Hopkins and at, at all. Right, and, and the, the truth of the matter is the Colts, as bad as their receiver core was, and it was like a split squad team in, in, in spring training, it was, they, they, they had half their guys. Yeah. Well, the, the, the Texans' secondary was arguably worse. Mm-hmm. Arguably worse. I, I don't know their personnel. I just know... You know, they give us a flip card, and here's the inactives, and I, I draw a line through the inactives, and I was looking at their starting lineup and drawing lines through all of them. <laughs> like, none of them are playing, and some of their backups aren't playing either. So there's, there's, it's hard to argue that they shouldn't have taken some more chances against that secondary. That said, you know, Zach Paschal, we're now, Zach Paschal's now like, well, you got to be the guy. Zach Paschal's on this team because he can recover kickoffs. Yeah. You know, and, and I like him as a receiver, but let's not make more of him than what he is. No, and hopefully we'll see. I mean, this is like the uh, – apparently Devin Funches had the worst collarbone fracture in the history of collarbone fractures because I'm not sure what what's going on here. You know, bone, bones are not like ligaments. Bones heal, and you would think that he'd be ready to go by now, but it, it looks like this week might even not be yet for Devin Funches. Yeah, he didn't sound optimistic at all about Funches. Um, by the way, how about the Eric Ebron thing um, in context of Andrew Luck? Because Ebron – on his own, just decided, guys, I'm out. I'm done. You know, I'm done. The the Colts didn't say, you're done. Mm-hmm. The Colts, I mean, and Reich made this very, very clear that this is Eric's decision. He's shut it down on us. And he didn't say it in a bad way. But but on the one hand, wow, you know, his contract's up. It's not like, I mean, he, he's now done. He won't play for the Colts again. He, he yeah. you could say quit. And I'm not, I don't want to say, I almost said the word and I don't want to. But you could, that's one way to look at it. And yet, I think we have to be very consistent. If you hated what Luck did, if you hated it, then you probably should hate what Eric Ebron did. But if you're like me, and you're like, look, I want Andrew Luck happy, he's miserable, go do your thing, Andrew, then i got to fall that way with Eric Ebron. I want you happy, even if I don't like you as much as I like Andrew. You're still a human being. Mm-hmm. If you're miserable, if you're hurting, I get it. But it's, I just think in the context of Andrew Luck, there's a whole Eric Ebron discussion to be had. Well, what was odd for me was that you know he was talking about how uh, I've, I've dealt with this all year, and the Colts kind of come back yesterday, and Frank Reich was like, well, we knew about an ankle issue last week, but he didn't make it seem like this was some like lingering thing all year for Ebron, and that's what gave me a little bit of pause. Like, did this just pop up, or was this something that he was playing with all year long? Reich did say that they did a a, a scope or whatever, uh, not scope, but an X-ray or something, MRI mm-hmm. on his ankles in the preseason. Now, what I don't know is do they do everybody on the team, all their joints, and just look at them? Or did Ebron have an issue? But he said, we, we looked at his ankles, he's, and he said they were fine, and then he kind of backed off of that and said, well, there's stuff in there. There's stuff in there, but nothing that, that we thought would hamper him. Mm-hmm. So Reich did say they knew there was something in the ankle, plural, I guess, back in August, but then he made it clear that it wasn't a concern. Yeah, that's just what kind of threw me for a loop. And he's never looked bad, right? Have you ever looked at Eric Ebron and thought, no, you know what, you're not I, moving like you normally look? Yeah, I didn't think he was like limping around. In fact, he was uh, among hurdling pass people. Catching, uh, yeah, among their pass catching options, even on Thursday night, he seemed to be the most active. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, outside of maybe Hilton, I guess, um, which, you know, unfortunately was active when he was dropping the ball, which was too bad to see that. But with Ebron, yeah, I agree with you that um, it'd be hard to see him in a Colts uniform again. Um, I think, ultimately, when you add up everything that he did, I think the Colts squeezed all the juice out of that orange that they were going to squeeze. I mean, last year alone made Ebron worth the two-year contract, don't you think? How, however many touchdowns he caught last year, if you divide that in half and say – when we signed Eric Ebron for this much money, he's going to score this many touchdowns yeah. over the course of two years. I think everybody would have said that was worth it. Yeah. He got them all in year one. Because, yeah, they had 14, maybe. He had three this year, I know that. So 17, you would have happily signed up for eight and eight, or eight and a half and eight and a half. I don't think he got 14 for the last year. I could be wrong. Maybe that, it was 13. That sounds like a big number, but whatever the number is. It, it was an obscene number, whatever it was. It was I think big it led the league in, could, in receiving touchdowns. You, you cut that number in half and you'd say, yeah. we got our money's worth out of this guy. And it's too bad because I'm like you, and Greg, he's been a, a topic for a couple of times on this, uh, including the confrontation, maybe confrontation is not the right word, but the the back and forth that you guys had a couple of weeks ago, he's been a, a topic on this pod before, and I like him. I like his personality. I, I like the fact that he's a little bit cocky. I know that rubs some people the wrong way, um, but at some point, you know, you cut... You, I think we all accepted here in Indianapolis that he is who he was. He was a guy that every once in a while will make a highlight real play, like the one-handed catch in the back of the end zone against Houston. But there's also some bad that comes with that, the inconsistency in the drops. There's one thing about Brissett that kind of, like, you know, Eric's got this, he's a little prickly at times, a bit cocky, whatever. Um, you can like it or not like it. It's It depends on who you are, I suppose. Brissett is, and he's been this way all year. No one really talks about it, and I don't know if anyone's ever written about it, but but I did from the game Thursday night. Is that, and and I don't expect listeners. I really don't expect you guys to to go to tell me that he's a jerk, and I feel bad for you. I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to let you guys know behind the curtain. Here's how it looks. Yeah, and I. It's unrelated, and we'll talk about this later, maybe. But uh, you, I've got a story coming up soon. I spent the last hour yelling at everybody involved with the Southport story. I yelled at their coach. I yelled at their superintendent. I yelled at the IHSA. I've yelled at – I don't mind yelling at people, and I don't mind fighting with people, and I like it. It gets me fired up. So I'm not <laughs> – but this Brissett thing, um, he spars with the media. He he refuses to answer questions, and he kind of – I think he wants us to feel stupid, maybe. For case in point, it was the Houston game. Someone asked him, "What? how did their – did their defense look differently than it did last time? And when last leaving it unsaid, last time you threw for 340. You know, yeah. So they look different, and his answer was, "Yeah, they look different. They were in different jerseys." Okay, like you're you're the face of the franchise, the starting quarterback. Is that your answer? It's funny that you brought that up because Charlie Clifford was who asked that question. Okay, and he posted the video, and I even texted him, and I was like, "Look, man, I was like, I'm sorry that that was the answer. Like sometimes, sometimes players have fun with media, or they shoot down dumb questions, and I think it's right for them. Like I hate when people say talk about and stuff like that. Yeah." That was a 100% complete legitimate question, and it deserved a legitimate answer, I thought. And, and, and to not get one, I, I'm, I had the same exact reaction that you did, Greg. And to be clear, this wasn't a, this one thing happened over the course of three months. Can you believe it? That's, that's every Wednesday at his locker. He has media availability mm-hmm. once a week. It's every Wednesday, and sometimes in post games, and that was the most glaring one probably, but he's, that's what he does. And so again, I, this is not me looking for sympathy, and I'm not trying to say you you should not like Jacoby because I don't like Jacoby. I'm not saying I don't like him. I just part of what I do, specifically what I do around here, is try to show people here's what it looks like behind the scenes. Yeah, and I don't think anybody realized that's what Jacoby looks like behind the scenes. No, I, I, I and I think overall, still, even if he, 
you know, part of me is kind of like, Greg, I, I, I sort of want these guys to be prickly and be upset after losses, right? Sure. I, I want them to care about it like I know the fans care about it and your readers and, and my listeners and the whole deal. Um, but I, I thought that that deserved, like I said, I thought that deserved a legitimate answer because clearly something changed and and shook him up because, like I said, whether or not you agree with me or anybody out there agrees with me that he, that he played scared, there was something where he just didn't feel like he was ready to pull the trigger and, and um, the pass offense was just a disaster, and that's the reason that they ended up losing that game. And by the way, uh, you talked about you want guys to be prickly upset after losses. I do remember this in the preseason. And even, no, I don't know. Heck no. It wasn't preseason. It was last year. The Colts, when the Colts would lose, even then Luck was in a great mood because he was just, you yeah. know, he was happy to be pain free or whatever he was. And we all remember we, we remarked on he loves football so much, he's even joking and nook, 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 smiling after losses. There were people who didn't like that. Oh, there were people who did yeah. not like yeah. that. Right. So I don't expect people to hear that Jacoby's prickly after loss and think he's a jerk. I don't expect that at all. I'm just, just trying to say, just trying to say if, if you care. And I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, I don't care about that. If you care about the Colts, you want to know the personalities of your team. And that's his yep. personality and like it or not i'm just saying that's what it is and we can move on and he's got to be under pressure too i know that he has the full support because they they have spoken glowingly of him of the locker room and of the coaching staff but brissette's got to be feeling it a little bit because the honeymoon period um if it hasn't ended already for him the people that were you know putting him up there in like the dark horse mvp conversation which which i always thought was ridiculous even at five and two those people are starting to come around on the fact that, look, um, he's got to play better. And the Colts gave themselves enough time to evaluate this, um, and and so they'll continue to evaluate. How long do you think that evaluation period is? Do you think it's the full two years, or do you think they're looking at this year and if something happens in the next five games that proves he's the guy moving forward, they'll go with that? Well, I mean, it, I, because I can't read the future, I've got to say it this way. It depends on the next – how many get five games yeah, left? Yeah, five games. You know, if it, the, the numbers he put up through his injury – Seven games, whatever that was. They were not Pro Bowl numbers, but they were, you'd take it. You'd take it yeah, for four sure. years. You'd take it. The numbers he's put up the last two games are, are Sam Darnold is like, hold my beer. That's not, I mean, that's, they're bad numbers. <laughs> yeah. So what do we see for the next five games? Are, are these last two games kind of a fluke and because of injuries, whatever? Or so I don't know. I, my point is, if he has five more really good games like he had earlier, then, then he's got next year. If the next five games are very similar to the last two, I don't know what they're thinking, but I can't imagine they're thinking we'll give him one more year. I mean, they might have to give him one more year, but maybe you draft a guy and, and develop him. Yeah, because for whatever it's worth, uh, we found out over the weekend that Boward was out in the sticks in Utah looking at that Jordan Love kid who plays at Utah State. So, you know, does that mean they're going to draft a quarterback? You know, I, I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But um, I do think the Colts, at the very least, put themselves in an advantageous position with the contract extension because it's not just – the final five games and that's it, and then he's a free agent. It's the final five games and then next year if it absolutely has to be next year. So they're giving themselves as much time as possible, which is, I think is a good thing. Uh, is the division out at this point? Can they win the AFC South? Yeah, because I don't trust Houston to do to be that good. You know, I I don't trust them to finish nine and seven. Even I mean, I, they can be eight and eight, and the Colts can get to nine and seven. So no, the division's not out. And they're they're getting some of these teams that they've have lost to before in the wild card are coming back to them a little bit. The tiebreaker situation with it was it Oakland, Oakland and Pittsburgh, yeah, right? Got, uh, uh, not a good tiebreaker situation with. But they've but one of them, Oakland lost. 
Oakland lost, yep. Pittsburgh almost lost, but Pittsburgh's in trouble. So they're all even at 6-5, and five, and then you've got the Browns kind of hanging around at 5-6. and six. Right, and there's no tiebreaker situation there at all. No, and then the Titans are – basically, this is an elimination game on Sunday. The loser of this game is not going to make the playoffs. Titans okay. and Colts. Okay. Ba- barring something unforeseen. The loser of this game, especially if it's Tennessee, is not going to make the playoffs. And the Colts, they've owned the Titans. We'll see what happens. Yeah. They've owned them mainly with Andrew Luck. You know, <clears throat> that's just a fact, but we'll see. Yeah, they've won uh, 18 of 21. That's crazy. Against Tennessee. And if you go back to 2003, there is no team in the NFL that has a better winning percentage against a division opponent than the Colts do against the Titans. Not the Steelers over the Browns, not the Patriots over the Jets or Bills or whatever. It's, it's Colts-Titans. It's <laughs> just been a one of those. And a lot of those games, Greg, and you were here for a lot of them, a lot of those games have been like overtime games and field goal games, and they very rarely just boat race the Titans. It's weird that you can flip a coin 21 times yeah. and 18 times it comes up heads, but it kind of has been that way. Well, that's kind of what's happened this year with the Colts, where first seven games they go 5-2 and two in one-possession games, and right. now they're 0-3 in their last three one-possession games. So well, we, talk about lear- corrects. we talk about learning how to win and blah, blah, blah. And, well, the Colts are just one of those teams that they know how to win. Well, I, you know, have they forgotten? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the turnaround starts Sunday. If they're gonna if they're gonna do anything for the rest of this year, they got to turn around and beat Tennessee, and then really kind of go on a run here because the margin for error is zero. Uh, you were also in Bloomington on Saturday. Um, must have been really glad to be inside for that one. God, you the feel for was... the fans with that? Ooh. I'm impressed that anybody showed up at all. <laughs> I mean, it brutal. was brutal, and the weather got better as the game went on. It was never good, but it was the drive there because you know the. It's why the Marlins built a retractable dome or whatever they have in South Florida because mm-hmm. they're they're playing at Joe Robbie. I used to cover the Marlins, and every day in South Florida at 4 p.m. it rains every day. So their walk-up, they, they never had fans because mm-hmm. at 4 or 5 o'clock you're deciding to go to the game. I'm not going today. It's raining. It's every day. Well, this it was miserable Saturday morning up until about 1 or 2. I mean, cold, rain, just gross. So anybody showed up at all, I'm impressed with. I was happy to be inside. I didn't – in hindsight, I, I mean, I wish I hadn't gone. You know, I, I mean, I have to write for Sunday's paper, so I needed to go. And I wanted to go see IU hopefully win, honestly. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm there for the breakthrough. Or at least compete. Or compete, right? I did not go there. I'll tell anybody uh, that I do. I do not go to a game like that, wanting to watch a blowout loss, knowing I've got to write what I've got to write, and knowing that IU fans are either going to a ignore it or the ones who read it are going to be mad at me. So I hate. I hate. That's how it turned. I hate that. That I hated that game. I hated it. Yeah, I, and it was rough. I, and look, their injury situation is bad. You know, no Wap Fillier, uh, Fry Fogel was in and out of that game. You've got Peyton Ramsey who. Is a nice story, but is essentially your backup quarterback. Stevie Scott was in and out. Yeah, so um, you know Indiana, and and they're just not ready to be on that level yet. The, we we were waiting to see if Indiana was on the level of Maryland and Nebraska and, and teams like that, and they've finally gotten to there. So they got to walk a little bit before they run. But I thought you said something interesting on on my show yesterday, Greg. Where and I completely agree. Where even though Indiana's done all these good things this year, and it's the first winning season since 07, only the second one in twenty five years. If they don't at least get one of these next two, the bucket game or the bowl game, you're left feeling kind of empty. If it's if it's a seven and six season, yeah, it's a winning season, but they ended on a four game losing skid. You know what I mean? It, it, you lose your rivalry game, you lose a bowl game, so that drought continues for another year. It just wouldn't feel the same. And I kind of, I realized getting to eight wins would look really good. So if they if they if they lose to Purdue and and beat somebody. If they lose to Purdue, they're going to be in a really crappy bowl, right? Mm-hmm. If they lose to Purdue, they're going to go to a bad bowl. They're going to yeah. play a bad team, and they're going to, they could win. They've been beating bad teams. Although they haven't beaten a bad team with a winning record yet. So I almost feel like their whole season, how, how they view it, and certainly how fans will view it, is they, they got to beat Purdue. You, you kind of have to beat Purdue. 
The thing is, nothing's in a vacuum. You can say, well, seven wins. You can say that. But the seven teams they've beaten have a combined record of 19 and 59. And not one of them has a winning record. 19 and 59. Yeah. At what point do you say, you know, seven babies crawled up to them with candy in their hands and the Hoosiers took, <laughs> took, they took the candy? Yeah. To their credit, they but, took it. But for a lot of years, the baby has taken the candy from them. True. Also. I mean, there was a game three or four years ago where they played Navy in Bloomington, and you thought, it's Navy, right? Navy didn't punt. Huh. Navy had like 500 yards of rushing offense. It was insane. I was there, and Navy ran over them. And there are umpteen different examples of that. So I, I do think there was something just about Indiana beating the teams that they should beat that was a, a bar that they needed to jump over. But I, I'm, I'm with you, Greg. Seven wins, seven wins is fine if you come back and you beat your rival – and then, well, I guess you'd have eight wins at that point. But the, the season is fine if you beat your rival and you win your bowl game. One of those two things. I think that was the bar. Just the seven on its own. I don't. It, it certainly doesn't make this season a disappointment or anything like that, um, because a winning season is still a success for Indiana. But you would you're left wanting more because Indiana, after that Nebraska game, kind of raised the bar. You expected them to get to eight wins or maybe even have a chance to get to nine. Let's put it this way: if they beat, if they win the last, next two games, they get to nine and they beat Purdue and they win a bowl game. Oh, throw a parade. Well, yeah, and someone, someone. I'm not saying they should, but someone will come after, after Tom Allen. I'm not saying he'd leave, but he will be a name people will want to hire. Mm-hmm. That's how it'll look. If they win one of the two, Indiana will probably give them a small little extension just because you have to. If they lose both these next two, Indiana might give them an extension, but it'll be toothless and maybe not even guaranteed just to help recruiting. But I mean, I think really the season is that much hanging in the balance, these next two games, that even the perception of their head coach is either he does, he's a stud you better hang on to, or he's a guy you better just, you know, is yeah. he Kevin Wilson 2.0? We'll see. And I've defended IU, and I do think that this is a solid team. I know that they haven't beaten anybody. I, I do, Most of the metrics have them firmly as a top 30 to 35 team, which is where I think they belong. Um, but that said, I just have this sneaking suspicion, Greg, that they're not going to win that game on Saturday. Well, I, I might be crazy because Purdue is down help. to nobody, but I, I just have this sneaking suspicion that Purdue's going to win that game. On the road doesn't help. And rivalry games, I, I've, I've been to so many of these in basketball – and I forgive me for even putting Duke, Duke and Carolina basketball in the same sense with IU Purdue football, but but I've been to some of these games where where one team was clearly light head and shoulders above the other one, and the, and and I've been there for Duke's had injuries mm-hmm. where they had to put Reggie Love, who best known as Barack Obama's you know chief of staff or whatever or whatever he was, Reggie Love is center against I mean I don't know who the, against Julius Peppers or I mean I don't know who it was, but anyway the the home team wins these games an awful lot is my point these rivalry games and. Rondell Moore is not going to be at Purdue for five years. He will not be a fifth-year senior. He will not be. So I'm not sure if it matters that he redshirts this year. And if he plays Saturday, his redshirt year is off. Who cares? He's not going to be here in five years. Yeah. So do I think Rondell Moore – I mean, I don't know how healthy he is. I find it hard to believe he's not healthy enough to play. Why would you bring him back for one more game, though, right it's at I, this point? Because it's IU. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, if this one more game was against was against Maryland, no. But it's IU. I, I'm telling you, if I – if I had to put money, and I don't know anything, if I knew it, I'd write a story and break some news. But if I had to put money on Ronda Moore going to play yes or no, I'm putting money on yes. Yeah, really, because I'm, I'm. It's funny because uh, we had the chance to, and I know you've had the chance to talk to him. We had the chance to finally meet him in August and and sit down with him and talk with him. And he strikes me as the guy that absolutely would play if he could play. Um, but that said, you know, there, there's just so much you feel for these kids, Greg, because there's just so much. It, it's kind of like. This is going to be a bad example because people are going to get mad about it. Um, the Romeo Langford NIT thing last year where, you know, sometimes kids have to make 
even at this stage of their lives, have to make a business decision. And you just wonder, even if Rondale Moore is a competitor and he wants to be out there, does he take the long view and think, do I come back for one more game on what was a hyperextended leg? And Yeah, let me be clear. After missing all the rest of the season? I have no idea, because they've never really told us how bad the injury was. They've never told us. You're right. Yeah. So I have no idea how bad it is, and I don't want to for a minute anyone to think, well, if Rondale doesn't play, I'm calling him out. I, I'm just saying, I bet he's... I bet he's well enough to play, and they've been cautious with him for the reasons you're saying. But if he is well enough to play, that he'll play Saturday. That's all I'm saying. If he's well enough to play, they're not. They're not. And you know, normally you wouldn't bring a guy back for one game, but I think you bring him back for this game. Certainly, you, certainly on a red shirt possibility, you wouldn't sure. bring him back. But th- this is a unique circumstance. Would you be cool playing this game in Indy? Maybe even as a one-off or like a once in every, I don't know, five years sort of thing. Mitch Daniels has really wanted that. Nobody else wants it. <laughs> but Binsky doesn't want it. Glass. Uh, you know, no one at Indiana wants it, but Daniels has been firmly behind putting this game at Lucas Oil State. I don't know how it would work logistically with the high school football finals, but well, they'd have to move it from because I, I wish it wasn't the weekend of the finals, right? Because I'd like to be there Saturday. There's a bunch of local teams, and I sure. can't be there. Um, I would like to see it on a five or ten year thing for sure. You know, I, I went to Florida, so I, I went to the Florida Georgia game five years in a row as a sports writer, or more than that, probably and, cocktail party, right? Yeah, Jacksonville yeah. and. All that stuff, and it's it's kind of cool when every single year you can fill half the stadium. And Lucas Oil, I mean, as many IU students, can, fans, you can all get tickets. Like mm-hmm. you, you can all go every year. You can, both schools can you can all go. So I, I feel like everybody wins. They obviously lose a home game, but they'll go find somebody else. But I would love to see that. But you've been to those bucket games. The campus atmosphere stinks. No one's there. I, the kids, the kids are off for Thanksgiving or whatever. I mean, I, I've seen some lately here. The last, the, the last Purdue crowd was really a good crowd uh, two years ago. Brahms' first year that was like fifty five thousand something, but um, for the most part, the crowds have been. Ugh. Yeah, my first two bucket games, I was my first one for sure. I was blown away by how bad the atmosphere was. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe it. I got up here thinking, here's the big game of the year, and nobody was there. And I got uh, IU fans are still mad at me. Some of them, they tweet me whatever and which I kind of find uh, a little bit flattering, but uh, a couple, three or four years ago, the game was so bad at IU, I literally left the press box, went to the parking lot, just looking for anything. Like, find something else to write about. Oh, the dog story, and right? I found a dog. Yeah. <laughs> I found a cute dog. I remember that. And I didn't write the whole thing about the dog, but I wrote, I, the dog was prominent in my story because he was cuter than the damn game was. Yeah. Um, and I still got IU fans. And that, I don't understand why you would mock me over that. Well, I guess Greg's going to go find another dog. Well, the game sucks. Like, do you you understand why I did that, right? Like, are you proud of what you're watching on the field? <laughs> was that the Xander Diamant game where he had the cigar in the post game locker room? The the quarterback, they, Indiana Could've and been. Purdue were both terrible, and Indiana won a close game. It was in Bloomington, right? Must have been then. Yeah, must have been. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't remember details, but Xander Diamant. Who, I thought the dog column was Bloomington. Oh, it was Bloomington for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was Bloomington for sure because the atmosphere there just abysmal. Yeah, so I, I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think Purdue, anyone other than Mitch Daniels wants it, but I just thought it was interesting, especially for us here in Indianapolis. I think it'd be a cool thing, but maybe we're selfish. Um, what are the Thanksgiving plans for you? Just yeah. hanging? Yeah, I got a guy, um, former coach at Ron Colley named Bob Tully, coached in like 50 years ago, and then has been on staff for Bruce Cyphers for all the state championships, and he's just a great guy, and he's he's retired, but he still goes to school every day and has an office and just hangs out with the kids. He's just one of those guys. He, he says, my job is... I'm an administrator in charge of loving the kids. I mean, he's just, he's almost a mascot. He's a, a little funny guy. Just, anyway, I go visit him every week. He's a friend of mine. He's probably my best friend in town. I hang out with him and his wife every weekend, and I'm going with their, to their family. They got some, nice. in, yeah, Thursday. So what about you? 
Um, my mom makes a big spread up in um, – my parents were in Connecticut for 40 years, and then they moved to Carmel about three years ago, mm. which has been nice because my wife and I always did Thanksgiving just us because her folks are in Vermont, so we'd always go and get, like, Chinese or something like right. that. And I kind of miss that little tradition. It was a nice little thing that we did, but it, it's nice to be around um, family and, and all of that, even though I just – I'm not a turkey guy at all i am once a year once a year yeah, i love turkey just, once I, a year it's so bland to me my mom makes this corn casserole which is really really good but um the rest of thanksgiving food like mashed potatoes and all that stuff i see some people's spreads and they've got like mac and cheese and all this loaded up stuff and i'm like damn that you know we we have like the real like meat and potatoes candy like, yams you don't get candy yams uh, cranberry sauce and it's just you know oh that it, that sounds like a school lunch yeah, I feel bad actually. I'm not complaining about it because I love my mom and she's a wonderful cook. I just don't like Thanksgiving food, period. To me, it's just kind of whatever stuffing and all that stuff. Go for I, the dark meat. Then. I can do without that. Yeah, that, that's it. And and I just kind of load it up with gravy and just kind of hope for the best. You know <laughs> okay, what I mean? Yeah. That's what I, I I like the sandwich. I actually like the sandwich afterwards. Oh, like the leftover, the, the leftover sandwich. Oh yeah, I like better than the actual meal. because you put mayonnaise so, on it. I'm, I'm not really a mayo guy though. All right. Dude. I'm a cheese guy. So mustard? Just, uh, yeah, big mustard guy. There you go. Not necessarily on it. Well, yeah, I usually do gravy on the Thanksgiving leftover sandwich, but it's it's a great holiday. It's a great time to spend with family and to be thankful and all this. So I feel bad for complaining about it for the last couple of minutes, but <laughs> hope you guys all have a, a happy and, and fun and safe Thanksgiving. And hopefully next week, Greg, we're recapping a Colts win instead of a loss because if they lose next week, then... You, I, I think we'll probably start looking forward to the offseason, to be totally honest. And readers aren't going to read. So, yes, I yeah, people I, check out. My business, point. I need them to win. Yeah. No question. I'm with you. Have a great Thanksgiving, Greg. Thanks. You, you too, Derek.